0: We talking rom-com, we talking action, we talking drama and movie classics, whatever you want, yo we have it, cause we talking movies on a podcast,
1: so I married a film critic, so I married a film critic. So I married
0: a film critic, hey honey. I just wanna talk so about the movie, movie like film casually. Critic. You don't have to so bring up I'm very mar- Cinematography. Honestly, let's just talk about like how the characters were fun. Married a film critic. So I married a
1: film critic. So I married Welcome to So I Married a Film Critic. I'm your co-host Julia.
0: And this is Barry the Film Critic. Hello everyone.
1: And this week we decided to do a new movie that is coming out. Wait, did it come out last year? 20- no,
0: no. It very limited release for all the hoity-toity critic jerks like me to see, hmm. and general audiences would get to see it. I believe on January the twenty-eighth. That's when it gets a nationwide release. Okay. This is Joe Wright's Cyrano.
1: Yes. Cyrano, a musical.
0: Yeah. And a good one, too. A
1: good musical. Okay, we are, just to put it out there, super pumped about this movie. And we actually watched it when you first got a screener, I don't know, months ago. And you put it on, and I didn't know what you were watching. You just said, yeah, I'm going to watch this movie. So I sat down just to watch a few minutes, and you guys, I stayed up for the whole thing. And it was late when you put it on.
0: Yeah, this was when this was you know kind of when I was in the in the midst of the, the thing that I, I love about what I do but it's also it's also the work part of it where on the one hand it, it's like Christmas every day when you know FedEx or UPS arrives and I was like you have to sign for this and it's a screener for some movie coming out. And that's fantastic but you know, as you know, I usually get like six, seven, 11 of these things like a week leading up to the end of the year. So suddenly it's like, I got to get through these things. I have to watch these. Because some of these, sometimes they arrive and I don't know what they are. And then in this case, I'm like, oh, I heard about this. Interesting. But as as you may recall, I told you I was not looking forward to it because the director and I had a falling out some time ago. Um, and, you know, and I know that's a silly thing to say, but this was a director whose first movie was Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley. I love that movie. I know you how you feel about Colin Firth, Walking no, I water love with the shirt. No, no, I understand. I love the I know new one. Yeah, you feel one. About the original oh premiere, my gosh. But For me, this is, I mean, I think his version is definitive. I thought it was one of the
1: best films of 2005. Hey, stop. I liked his movie. Okay. I did like the well, new Pride and Prejudice. It. I thought it was one of the
0: best films of 05 and I just thought this guy is fantastic. And then since then, the dude has broken my heart again and again with that that I don't I don't even know a good word to use other than just banal that, that atonement and the stupid Peter Pan movie he did, and The Soloist, and Anna Karenina. I just, this guy, I can't stand his movies. I feel like he's been style over substance for a long time. Um, and, and, and every time he has a new movie come out, I'll give it another shot. It's like, this is the guy who did Pride and Prejudice. And I just, I'm always admiring his style. He, one of the things he's famous for is doing a long shot with lots of extras. These scenes that are very hard to stage, even if they're faked,
1: oh yeah like there's one scene in pride and prejudice where they're the camera's going through the yeah, house yeah, it's, it's amazing and it's all in one take and you're like oh my gosh this had to be choreographed so perfectly yeah. 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 yeah but it's yeah. amazing
0: yeah and and he the performances he got uh, out of that film particularly by keira knightley I man i think it's her best film i just thought man anything this guy does next i can't wait to see and it's just, it's been a rough couple of years. I, I, I haven't liked anything this guy has done since nothing. So when I heard he was doing a remake of Sir de bergerac and it was a musical and it starred Peter Dinklage and the angle being, it's not about a guy with an elongated nose, but it's going to be Peter Dinklage his you know, the fact that he's, he's, he's a little person. Um, I just thought, wow, what a terrible sounding idea. And, and it's a musical. That's going to be awful and uh so I, I was, boy
1: like, were you wrong yeah and was,
0: pleasantly so um <laughs> yeah because this is this is you know i don't know like i i i stand by my
1: <laughs> your hate for joe Wright no no no
0: no hate's a strong word and you know but at the same time this this is a guy who's his, his films just haven't connected with me for whatever reason for a long time and i know people who love atonement i've just never been one of those people but this one, yeah, it snuck up on me, and I gotta say, from the first frame to the last, it's uh, it, it's one of my favorite films of twenty twenty
1: one. Okay, this movie really moved me. I was not expecting that. So, all right, we'll just get into it. It takes place in sixteen forty in France during the thirty year war, thirty years war mm-hmm. with Spain. Yep. And we open up on Roxanne. She's the lead. There's basically three main characters that the movie focuses on. And then we have a few extra people coming in and out.
0: Yeah. And I want to say that the movie, the first image that the film opens up on is, is of a marionette with an elongated nose, sort of referencing the the original material, which I thought was a lovely touch to say this may be the, the, this is what you're expecting. This is not what you're getting.
1: Mm, Yes. So it's Roxanne getting ready to go to the theater. She's been invited by the Duke, who is second only to the king. So pretty high up there. And her maid is telling her, you should marry him. He's in love with you. And she's just so disinterested in him romantically. And she says, you know, you need money. And she's, Roxanne is like, what about love? And she says, children need love. Adults need money.
0: Very practical. <laughs>
1: yeah. So that's where we're at. I, I don't know why Roxanne is poor, though. They don't really tell you why. Maybe the war has just depleted her funds. That,
0: Jules, I've never cared. <laughs> I've never, never <laughs> well,
1: really she about... lives in a really nice place and she has so. a servant. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. that If anybody knows, I, I don't know why. <laughs> okay. So she's going off to the theater and... She's in a coach with this beautiful dress, and she's with the Duke. So who plays the Duke?
0: Ben Mendelsohn.
1: Man, this guy. He... <laughs> Are you a fan? No. His one big <laughs> song, we basically fast-forwarded through, so... The second time. The, second, the, first time. Time the no, second time. the time. No, we maybe. did watch it the first time, and no, we I thought... I fast-forward through a movie the first time. This is terrible. Time, I, I can't handle
0: this. Ben Mendelsohn. So he's played the bad guy a lot. Um... I miss Alan Rickman a lot. You know, Alan Rickman was—I mean, come on, his first movie was Die Hard, which is incredible. And then he proceeded to play a lot of villains for a while. But he did each of those each of those roles in a very different and distinct and very uh, very eccentric sort of way. So I, I loved him, and I miss him. And then when he when he passed away, I feel like Christoph Waltz sort of took over the role, playing like all the villains and all these high profile movies. And now we're on Ben Mendelsohn, who's seemingly playing every villain in every big film. And I'm I'm sick of Ben Mendelsohn. I I <laughs> I, am. I think he's he's a good actor, clearly, but I feel like it's it's beyond typecasting. Now it's he's he's in the same position as Mark Strong. It's almost it's almost a cliche to see him play these roles, and he plays them typically the exact same. I don't way.
1: even know who Mark Strong is, but you don't have to Do explain recommend it. You,
0: bald dude, oh. angry, smoldering. Okay. All right.
1: Yeah. Okay. So Roxanne, they're she they're in the coach going to the theater, and that's when she has her first song. And that's when we kind of get a feeling of what kind of musical this is going to be. Yeah. And it's very... You know when you watch a musical that you feel embarrassed for everyone yes. on screen? Oh,
0: yeah. There's a movie called Dear Evan Hansen. I know exactly what you're talking
1: about. <laughs> and you may you wouldn't feel embarrassed if you were actually in a theater watching it, but watching it as a movie just... I don't know. There's something about the experience that is like, really? This is not good. I did not have that experience with Cyrano.
0: Yeah. The fact that one thing is Joe Wright, to give him all, all the credit that I haven't been giving him for years, he is a very strong visualist. He really pulls us into this world. And because there is a heightened romanticism to it, and we're really inside of, of Roxanne's state of mind. It does feel like a natural outpouring of her feelings and her, you know, her perspective that she begins to sing. This is not one of these situations where characters are talking like you and I are, and suddenly like this is the day that things are gonna go my way, you know, and, and you're just going, wow, this is really embarrassing. No, it it really, you know, it feels like a you know, again, like a good musical number and a good musical, it should be an extension of who they are. It's like, this is what they're thinking. This is what they're feeling. so They're just expressing it this way. And the movie exists in a world where musical numbers happen. And it's a, you know, it's it's a normal thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think the movie justifies it's being a musical.
1: And the other thing, whenever there's a song going on, sometimes there'll be People dancing in the background, yeah. and it's just a very beautiful visual. The costumes, it's almost like I don't know, there was a part when they're in the theater and they're, it's the same song, and other characters are also yeah. singing it. So it's like the longing of her heart to find love is also echoed in the whole cast, yeah. really. So her expressions are kind of everyone's. This is
0: Haley Bennett playing Roxanne, and, um, yeah, I'll speak more about her later, but uh, I mean, she's sensational in this film. Beautiful singer. She nails the role of Roxanne, and uh, yeah, I, I love her performance. Yeah. in suspect you feel the same way. No,
1: she's really good. I mean, I didn't even know who she was until in fact, I still don't really know who she is. Okay, well,
0: I'll talk about her as an actress a little bit later, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, so.
1: Alright, so... So she's at the theater to see a performance
0: by the acclaimed actor Montfleury. Montfleury. Is uh, he's adult. adult He's uh, he's he's this he's a high-minded, pretentious, awful actor. It's a great moment because it's calling attention to the theatricality of this film. It's call it's calling attention to how pretentious and pompous this story is, as well as this presentation as a film is. And then along comes the heckler in the theater, which of all things is Cyrano, this soldier. Um,
1: but before that. We see Christian.
0: Yes, you're right. Thank you. Sweet over Christian.
1: Yeah, we we meet Christian.
0: Played by Kelvin Harrison Jr. That's a name I think everyone's going to know really well in the next coming years. This is a big breakout role for him. He's had a few, but this is, I think, a big one.
1: Yeah, he sees her in the carriage and he's like, who's that? Christmas. And they're like, oh, that's Roxanne. She's way above your <laughs> station in life, basically. You're a nobody. She's amazing. He's a
0: guard in the French army.
1: Yeah, he's a guard. She's obviously some kind of aristocrat, but has fallen on hard times, monetarily speaking. Why? We don't currently know. Again, yes, we don't know. It's a mystery. So he sees her inside the theater, and then she sees him, and that's when this love at first sight situation happens.
0: It's nice. The camera really lingers on uh, (laughs) their glancing at one another for, for a period of time. And then he gets robbed, and and yeah. Remember?
1: Christian gets robbed? Yeah, he gets
0: robbed, remember? She's watching him, and he his his purse, as as it were, gets lifted. Oh, yeah, because
1: there's some some thieves in the theater. You remember? There's some people talking about how you can steal Bunny, and they're like, what about kids? They're like, well, if they have a purse, then you can steal it.
0: (laughs) Yes, as Prince would say, there are thieves in the temple.
1: (laughs) Okay, so Montfleury is up there doing his thing and then yeah Cyrano starts heckling him and at first I thought oh is this part of the show but you said no he really thinks he's terrible yeah
0: no no uh Cyrano is the thing I love about the character and certainly the thing that makes Peter Dinklage so wonderful in this role he has a personality that is so imposing despite the fact that he has a physical attribute that makes him
1: He's small in stature and
0: mawkish in society. You know, and traditionally it's been Cyrano's nose in this case. It's, it's Peter Dinklage, real life, of a little person playing a little person. Um, but none of that matters because he has a super ability in terms of being a soldier, in terms of being verbose, in terms of his mind. Cyrano is unmatched by anyone in his world. Mm hmm. And it shows here where he not only mocks this actor who's bombing, according to his, uh, his, his critique, is that he's bombing on stage, but he's also just killing this production. So, yeah, Cyrano gets on stage, basically belittles and mocks him and scares him off the stage. But then a real, a real scuffle takes place. You've made this stage your personal style. The dramatic muse has fled the building. She scampered off when you started gilding the lily
1: with your great big voice. The poor muse had no
0: choice. I love this place and all it means. Poetry, romance, terror, truth. I've loved it here since early youth. Can't stand aside while you dishonor it. With your pumping and your hideous jigs, I will not abide your thumping and, uh, Dreadful wigs. <laughs> <laughs> Montfleury, you've abandoned the truth. You've lost your car. You don't remember how truth feels or what it's for. So now leave oh. this stage never to return, and I'll applaud the new integrity you'll earn. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exit Montfleury. Right. So another terrible character challenges him to a duel
0: yes and mocks him uh, for his for his appearance
1: so then you get to see how Cyrano really fights and he's a great swordsman and he basically beats the guy but then lets him go get away he doesn't automatically just kill him um, but then the guy who just lost tries to stab him in the back and Roxanne is like Cyrano and he turns around and kills the guy
0: before we talk about that plot point i want to say they they give peter dinklage his first number during the sword fight and this is maybe the one with Mendelssohn, which we'll talk about shortly is another one but this is maybe the the only musical number i wish was not in the film i think it's a little much to have peter dinklage's first number as this character it's very hamilton where' he's he's not singing he's basically doing a rap And he's doing it in the midst of this very elaborate and vigorous sword fight. It's a bit much.
1: Yeah, but he's also, you know, because the guy who challenged him is, you know, was mocking him and calling him ugly and, you know, all these things. And so he's basically saying, I've heard all you. There's nothing you can say to me that hasn't been said to me. So it's a good song in that sense because you get a sense of being inside of his head. But... If you thought it was too much, I—I I don't know. I liked it.
0: Again, I just—I thought it was a little Hamilton, and it doesn't really represent the kind of work that Dinklage does later on. It's the only number of its kind in this entire film. I thought, oh no, is this whole thing going to be like, you know, like I like Lin-Manuel Miranda, but let's face it, ever since Hamilton came out, his stamp has been on damn near everything, <laughs> and he's, you he, know, it's like you know you watch a musical or an animated film you go i wonder if he wrote the oh yes yes he did
1: okay so you thought it was going to be too hamilton even though the first song was nothing like that yeah okay all right well it was the only hamilton ish song um anything else you want to say about that scene because i mean it's pretty dramatic
0: yeah it gets things off to the right start i mean this is a very faithful adaptation of of the original work
1: and you read the book well,
0: it's a, it was a play, and then it's, i mean it's been adapted so many times. I mean, let's see if I can find my notes. I mean, it was, it was written in 1897. It was you know, based on a real guy. Cyrano de Bergerac was a real guy, so this is an extension of his life. It was written in verse, which is why people think this is Shakespeare, and it's not. Uh, Edmund, uh, Edmund Rosand is the author. It's one of these plays I studied a lot in theater uh, when I took theater classes. But um, in 1990, Gerard Depardieu played him. In the film, because um, there had been a version your grandfather and I used to talk about a lot uh, with Jose Farrar, which came out in 1950. And your, your grandfather was a big fan of that one. But in 1990, uh, and, and people know Roxanne, the Steve Martin version, which I like a lot. But in 1990, Gerard Depardieu played him. And for me, that's definitive. The balcony scene takes place during a rainstorm. It's amazing. Broke My Heart. It's nothing like this film. I mean, it's a really different take, and Depardieu's take on, on Cyrano is completely different than what Dinklage does. But for me, that's still definitive. So I've kind of resisted everything since every version of this they've done subsequently. It's so famous, and it's such a part of pop culture. You may remember multiple sitcoms where they'll do a take on the balcony sequence. I remember one, uh, Jason Bateman was in a sitcom called The Hogan Family, where one of the brothers is wearing earmuffs and, you know, the other is giving like, you know, instructions into the earmuffs what to say. I mean, it's it's such a, you know, even though I I don't know that a lot of young people know Cyrano de Bergerac, but they know the balcony scene. They know, you know, the, the comedy behind that.
1: Yeah. So this is a new take on it yep. and it's really good. Um, okay. now Now we're... We are meeting Cyrano's best friend. Yep. and Librette, Yes, and he's like Cyrano. Can I ask you a question? Are you in love? <laughs> and he's like, um, there are things I don't want to talk about, but yes, I am in love, and it's Roxanne. And he's like, I saw you guys, you know, making eyes at each other, and and he. And Cyrano is just like, no, she doesn't love me. She's amazing. I'm nothing. And he kind of gets into their history that they grew up together, and he just thinks he could never be enough for her. Yeah. And then her lady in waiting, mm-hmm. maid person, um, she comes out of the shadows and she's like, Cyrano, Roxanne wants to meet with you um, tomorrow morning at seven. And she and so he's like, oh my gosh. I can't get my hopes up, but maybe maybe after this whole thing at the theater, she is in love with me. I mean, that's what he's thinking, right? Yeah. yeah. So, he leaves his leaves LeBret and he's like, "I could fight a 100 men." And then he ends up <laughs> he ends up dueling 10 guys just in the streets of France.
0: Yeah, this is a remarkable scene and this is you know, again like I was not happy when I heard who the director of this film was, but seeing this scene in particular makes me think, Oh yeah, perfect for this. Absolutely perfect for this. Because the scene I don't I, I suspect it wasn't really shot in one take, but it being Joe Wright, it's designed to look like it was shot in one take. And it never leaves Dinklage's perspective. And he's fighting multiple guys. The choreography is extraordinary and so is Dinklage. And it's, it's lit by candlelight, and it's seemingly done in one take. It's very elaborate. It's a great action sequence. And it establishes, as you've indicated, uh, everything about this guy. There's nothing braggadocious about Cyrano. He is, he is incredible. He is magnificent. He is intellectually and physically superior to everyone in his world.
1: Yeah, the part um, of this scene that I thought was crazy was they end up putting a noose around his neck and hoisting him up over this wall and they get him over the wall and then seconds later all the guys just like fly yeah fly over the wall you're like oh he really can get out of anything
0: and you and i need to come clean about this because i suspect some people might wonder listening to this i've never seen a single episode of game of thrones neither of you we don't yeah
1: we have to confess that
0: we should because I don't know if he's done these sort of scenes before on Game of Thrones. I kind of assume maybe, uh, but I don't know. Because I know him from The Station Agent. I know him from Elf. And I know him from a series. He did a movie where he played Herb Villachez lately. Dinklage has always established himself as an interesting actor. Um, but I don't know about how many action movies he's done. I don't know if this is a first kind of scene. Or, or you know, if it's Game of Thrones We're like, oh, this is, this is like a nothing. Maybe he's had scenes with dragons. I don't know.
1: That's true. Maybe people are listening to us and they're like, "Oh my gosh, you he did this." In Game
0: of Thrones, you don't know how amazing he is. Yeah,
1: he did that every week. <laughs> yeah. So
0: for all I know, this was a slow week for Peter Dinklage, but he's it's an incredible scene. It really is. Um, yeah. So it, it, that's the other thing too. Like I feel like oh, I've missed. i have missed out on that phenomenon, but it is like The Sopranos. I never. I've never seen as of this recording. I've never seen a single episode of The Sopranos, and I know to get caught up would take me probably the year hmm. to watch The Sopranos or to watch
1: Are we Game confessing all the shows we haven't watched? All the HBO shows
0: that I haven't watched. I oh. feel, you know, because, you know, you and I watched Breaking Bad. Like, we watched that while that was on. We got to experience all that. But, like, when, when Game of Thrones, those last few episodes, and everybody was mooning over all the details of every episode, I feel like, man, I this is a party I'm not a part of. I, I can't even name the character Peter <laughs> Dinklage played on that show. I
1: have no idea. I think he was some kind of king or something or something (laughs) obviously we have no idea idea. send your hate letters too (laughs) okay so it's the next morning and he's gonna meet up with roxanne and he's writing a letter and i feel like this is kind of the moment in the movie where we realize that the songs are basically love letters now
0: an extension of it yeah Mm -hmm. largely Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and so she comes to meet him and she's like, I have a confession. And this whole conversation is just heartbreaking because he's thinking she's going to confess her love for him. And the whole time she's talking about Christian and the look on his face when she finally reveals that is really heartbreaking. I mean, his the acting of, of him, <laughs> the acting of him, his acting in this scene is just... So moving. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I know what you mean. I, mean. I was thinking about it watching this too. Like, what is it exactly about him? What is it exactly? Because he's, if anything, Dinklage since the beginning is established, it doesn't matter how tall you are or how tall you aren't. If if you have talent, that transcends everything. There are actors who have, you know, if you want to call them disabilities, who have shown time and time again, it does not matter if you have talent, if you have it. He has it. And I, it occurred to me watching the scene you're talking about it's all in the eyes with him he's got the eyes of humphrey bogart he has the eyes of a man who has lived a long life a very haunted life the the eyes you know as they say are the window to the soul but i mean watch him in these scenes the scenes where he doesn't have any dialogue his eyes tell so much Um, that's
1: very soulful soulful
0: yeah he's yeah dinklage is a magnificent actor he truly is but in the scenes you're describing, it's, oh, man, like he's saying so much without saying anything at all, which is what great actors do. And, and, and you know, not a lot of actors have that, that ability to convey what they're thinking. And he has that.
1: Yeah, he definitely does. Yeah. So he tells Roxanne he also has a confession. But after he hears her confession, he's like, never mind. I am not going to confess my feelings for you. So she says, Christian is a new guard. So she tells Cyrano, I need you to watch out for him. I need you to befriend him. I need you to keep him safe. And I need you to make him right to me. Mm. And so, of course, Cyrano just like, okay, I guess I can do all that because I'm deeply in love with you. So I'm going to help somebody else basically win your heart. And when he meets Christian – I mean, they basically are going to duel. Yeah. They're going to duel it out. Because
0: Christian initially is mocking him, although it's established that Christian could hold his own in a fight, but clearly Cyrano is about to murder him until Cyrano realizes this is the Christian who Roxanne is in love with. Yeah. To which he embraces him. That's a detail in the original story, too. I've always loved that.
1: Well, I love it when before that, where he says, I will make him write to you, but I cannot control the length or content of his letters. Yeah. (laughs) Which we see shortly that that's not. True anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah, let me talk about Kelvin Harrison Jr. for a moment. Um, he's about, to, as, as I've said earlier, I mean, he's about to really blow up in a big way. He's playing BB King in the new uh, boz lerman movie about Elvis with with Tom Hanks, which is coming out next summer. uh he's he's he's, he's been a standout a number of things. He's sensational in this. His voice is extraordinary. He gives such heart. I want to address something, and. This is not easy for me. I'm not addressing any names specifically. and This is not any particular critics who I know personally, but there have been some movie critics who've really attacked this part of the film because they say, in a very politically correct way, that you should not have an African-American playing a foolish character like this. That it's wrong, that it's dated, that it's you know it's backward thinking and not progressive to have a black actor playing a character who is something of a fool. I want to address that because, for one thing... The actor and the screenplay are not addressing Christian the way Christian normally would be. This character in the past has been portrayed as a moron, which is not how he comes across in this. He is out of his element, as is anyone in this story who is in love with Roxanne, who isn't Cyrano. So he doesn't know what to say to her. He is at a loss for words, but he is, to use that word again, he is soulful um, he does love Roxanne in his way, whatever that is. It's not simply just lust. He does love her. There is a sense of the romantic, even though it is somewhat limited. But I do see Christian as a noble character in this. Um, he doesn't always come across that way in other you know, in other versions. When Rick Rosevich, for example, played him in Roxanne, I mean, he's complete imbecile. That's not the case here. The idea is that here that Christian... Uh, is at a complete loss for words, whereas Cyrano never is.
1: Well, he also says, my dad told me that if you're going to be a soldier, you don't need books. You basically don't need fancy words. You need to be able to fight. You need to be able to defend yourself. And so he he basically sa- tells Cyrano, I wish I had what you had, but that's not how I was brought up. I was just brought up using more simple phrases, simple terms. I'm not a poet, which, let's face it, who of us are real poets, you know? Like, the way that Cyrano and even Roxanne express themselves is beautiful, but it's not just your average person. So, yeah, he's definitely not a fool or an imbecile. He's just, I don't even want to say he's simple. He's just like, he's a beautiful, but... Averagely, um, he's kind of the like, audience surrogate. Yeah, like we could relate to this. Yeah, guy, of I can. Course, I could totally.
0: Letters like like Cyrano no. can. Of course, we no. can't love Roxanne like Cyrano can.
1: But when I say he's more like average in his intelligence, not that's not to belittle him at all. No. It's just like okay, he's not up to Cyrano, right? And who is? Yeah. I mean, we- Cyrano
0: has like a super, like a like a superhuman intellect again, and and you know you, you can't compete with someone like that. Um, it says a lot that Cyrano really finds him endearing. Um, It's expressed here in a musical number. It's with that really amazing shot of the two of them conversing, and then the camera just sort of ditches the actors, goes down this hallway and we're seeing these military drills and uh, Christian becomes immersed in the military drills and it becomes part of the choreography and there's these return shots of Dinklage as Cyrano and you're basically you're basically we're, we're watching him basically fall in love with Christian in a sense you know Yeah
1: cuz he the, the part when he starts singing when Christian starts singing he says it's like it's it feels like and Cyrano will fill in the word right. for him it and so that part you kind of get the feeling of okay Cyrano is a a teacher, a mentor, you know, he's trying to show him, hey, you can be more flowery in your words, like you can woo her, but it's not as easy as (laughs) he makes it seem.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to address the fact that that there are some some critics and a, quite a few people actually who object to an African-American playing the role of Christian. I don't I feel like Kelvin Harrison Jr is excellent. I feel like he surpasses he's surpassed the great. expectations of this. And look, in a sense I get it, all right. I've seen Soul Plane. I saw Norbit like everyone else. I understand, you know, that you know having movies with really embarrassing Portrayals by African American actors is unfortunate, and it doesn't help anyone. This is not that case. This is a this is an actor who perhaps it's an unconventional choice for this role. He makes the role completely his own. He has a completely different take on it, and I I think I think these three leads, frankly, as much as I love Gerard Depardieu, I feel like what Dinklage, Bennett, and Harrison are doing here is definitive. I really do.
1: Okay, I I agree with you. I mean, I I was completely immersed the entire time. And this was our second viewing. Um, I do want to tell the audience that before he meets Christian, before Cyrano meets Christian, the Duke basically offers Cyrano a new role like in the army. And he's like, no, I don't want that. And then he offers him like, he wants to buy his poetry and he's like, no, I'm not for sale. So, I love that about his character. He says, I'm not for sale. Neither is my work. I belong to no man. I answer to no one. I'm, I'm in the guard, but I do things on my own terms. And that's just his the way he's always done it. Yeah. So we know that the Duke doesn't like Cyrano and he doesn't like the fact that Roxanne and Cyrano are friends. So there's there is that rivalry there.
0: Absolutely. And there's, a, there's another detail I want to linger on, too. After the musical number that we mentioned, where Cyrano and Christian basically decide to team up, as it were, to woo Roxanne, there's this moment I love where Cyrano pulls the letter out of his lapel that he's prepared to give to— obviously he wrote it for Roxanne, but he's going to give it to Christian so that she can give it to her. The way Dinklage does it, he pulls this letter from his lapel— snaps it and gives it to him like it's a weapon I thought that's perfect that's because this is his weapon that that is that is this the greatest weapon he has his words
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and and he's like you already wrote a letter he's like oh i just (laughs) keep letters in here for random women he's like well but it's for roxanne and he says well she's too full of herself to know to notice (laughs) what's funny about Roxanne and Zirino is that he thinks she's prideful and I think we find out later that he's actually the prideful one that's the last, his last line in yeah the, in the and yeah. that's the thing that really I mean I'll talk about the ending yeah, later yeah. We'll, on we'll, but we'll I'm there, just yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little upset about it okay well, to talk, to get really
0: uh, sentimental about this, I mean, this is based on, uh, you know, th- this whole thing is based on a stage production that was written and directed by Peter Dinklage's wife. The The music was done by the band, The National, um, and I think that the songs are just wonderful. But I, I thought it was really interesting that, you see, it's in 2019, Erica Schmidt, who's married to Peter, Peter Dinklage, uh, she did this version on stage. It's been done off-Broadway at this point, it's never been done on Broadway, but... You know, the fact that Dinklage has done this this character multiple times on stage and by the way, he was figuring out moments to do it when he wasn't doing Game of Thrones is amazing. And that I mean that makes him for me that puts him in, in the, the same echelon as like Pacino and De Niro, these actors who go back and forth from theater and stage. Those are the best actors. You know, you, you can live in those two worlds. You clearly love this and you're clearly great at it you don't if you're a movie star you don't do theater (laughs) you stay away from theater because theater will just show how weak you are as an actor but if you're good at theater you know this is you're the master of your domain but and all that to say you know dinklage it doesn't seem like he's tired of this role you know what i mean to state the obvious everything every scene feels so fresh with him it's a it's it's a startling performance because it's not just that he found... It, it's not just that they're they're approaching this character from a new angle. It's not gimmicky that he's playing this character. If anything, it just feels perfect. It feels like they, they found a way to make us look at this character in a completely new way. And every scene, you feel the aching of this character. Um, as you've indicated, the scenes between... All the scenes between Bennett and Dinklage are so heartbreaking and so beautiful. And you really feel... One character's—I uh, mean, she clearly loves him, but not in the way that he wants, and you know the way that—or
1: does she? Or
0: does she? And you know, in the way he's responding to that, again, it's—it's it's a lot of—it's a lot of him just reacting uh, from the exterior. and We kind of hint at what the interior is like for him and how tortured that is. It's so moving; it really is.
1: It is so okay. The fact that Cyrano and Christian are in the guard together. And that the Duke has been promoted. And now he has control of putting them into this war on the front lines. And so Roxanne uses her feminine wiles to basically trick the Duke and say, you know, it would really just bum Cyrano out if he didn't get to fight. So you should just keep the guards here with the women and the children, you know, and he listens to her. So she kind of gets her way and she uses she uses the fact that the Duke wants to marry her um, to send him away. So she says, but, gosh, I couldn't love anybody who wasn't brave. And he says, so I have to go fight? She's like, yeah. <laughs> it's so great. She finds a way to just, like, get rid of him yep. and keep Cyrano and Christian close by, which I just thought, you know. The women in these period pieces, they really know how to use their words to get their way every time. Yeah. I think we've lost that art, frankly. I need to learn from her.
0: Well, this this whole story. No, it's a good point. I mean, this whole story is about the power of words. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, the, the whole notion of chivalry through writing letters, poetry, love poems, love letters. It's obviously a lost art. Um,
1: well, really, you used to write me letters. Yeah. I mean, lots and lots. He wrote me a poem, you guys, the most beautiful poem, and I still have it. I don't have it memorized or anything, but I do. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> You start reciting it right now from 20 years ago. I think I compared
0: your frame to uh, a shard of light from the sun.
1: Oh yeah, I think you did. Yeah, I do remember that detail. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And I and that was before we were even dating. Mm. You wrote that for me. Yeah. And um
0: I was like, what do you think of this? <laughs> <laughs> <It> doesn't reflect how <laughs> I feel or anything, but uh, Yeah,
1: this was just something I thought of one day. It doesn't mean anything.
0: <laughs> no, I, listeners, I could obviously really relate to this character of Serena de Bergerac, believe me in so many ways.
1: No, I mean, I think that was when I thought, oh, wow, yeah, he really is in love with me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you you had a Christian, I had a Roxanne, yeah.
1: Aw, but see, it worked out. It worked out. All for the best. We yes. weren't dumb like them. <laughs> I
0: don't know if they were dumb. It's <laughs> a little more complicated. Well, so. yeah,
1: there wasn't a 30 years war yeah, happening. Yeah, you
0: know, I, I didn't have to go and you know, fight the Spanish. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, our obstacles were not as big. A
0: little, a little, you know, a little more contemporary, our, our obstacles. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, let's talk about the balcony scene.
1: Okay, am I jumping yeah. too far ahead? Or? No, because um, Roxanne, well, Roxanne and Christian have their first meeting before the balcony yes. scene. Yeah. Disaster, yeah. because Christian tells Cyrano, "I don't need you anymore." She loves me. I love her. You know, we've been exchanging these letters. And he's like, I can use my own words now. And so he, (laughs) he, she's like, talk to me. And he's like, I love you. She's like, okay, um, anything else? I love you. Oh, wow. This is not going well. And then he wants to kiss her and she's just like, oh, no, this, no. So she leaves, he's devastated. And then he gets, um, oh, she has this great song called I Want More and it's – I think it's one of my favorite songs just because she's like, don't just tell me you love me. Like, tell me how. Tell me why. Like, break it down. I mean, you have to listen to the whole soundtrack, you guys. It's, sing it for us, Jules. No, nah, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> um, that would be embarrassing. Um, so she's she sings that song and then Christian gets Cyrano back and he's like, okay. I will tell you what to say, and you just say it. And then that's the balcony, that's the balcony scene. Good night. Wait. I could no more stop loving you. I could no more stop loving you than I could stop the sun rising. Then I can
0: stop the sun rising.: Really? My cruel love has never stopped growing in my soul from the day it was born there from the
1: day it was born there there if your love is cruel you should have killed it i tried
0: it has the strength of hercules. i tried it has the strength of hercules hercules got anything better Do continue please roxanne my love for you is so powerful Roxanne,
1: my love for you is so powerful.
0: It has strangled the two serpents. It has strangled the two serpents. Pride and doubt. Yeah, there's a touch that, uh, you know, I don't know if it was in the screenplay or the, the, the design of it from the cinematographer. I'll give Joe Wright the credit. It feels weird giving Joe Wright all this credit after years and years of being like, oh, the guy did the soloist, he did Hannah, I don't like his movies, and then suddenly he's killing you with this film. But there's a touch he does in this movie. I, I It really moved me tonight watching the balcony scene where there's a shot, it's a it's a two-shot, where you've got Cyrano with his back to the wall in the foreground. In the background, we see Roxanne on the balcony talking to him. So it's a way to have the two of them in the shot without, of course, Roxanne being aware that... Cyrano is hiding and, you know, coaching the famous scene, coaching Christian what to say. I love that. Um, I love that it was a way to physically put him in the scene, despite the fact that the scene is all about deception. It's always been about, you know, about, about Cyrano providing Christian's voice, Christian's words. Um, it's more moving that way, I think, because it's something I like. I mean, if anything, it's a more contemporary touch. It's a progressive touch, but I think it's a necessary touch. This film, this version, does not celebrate the fact that it's a deception.
1: It Doesn't no, celebrate it at all. They because are very. Roxanne
0: does, and the other Cyrano versions, to an extent, do. Especially the original 1950
1: but one. But Cyrano is was very torn by the fact that he's deceiving her.
0: Right, and which is, I think, the right way to do it. Because when, because uh, the the Jose Ferrar version, in 1950, which is the first version in English, by the way it did feel like, haha, you know, um, even though it's, it's supposed to be this thing of like, oh, you know, you get to be with her and I don't. And in this sense, it has a heartbreaking conclusion. And it has, by the way, maybe my favorite moment that Dinklage does in the whole film (laughs) really destroyed me watching it tonight. Whereas when, let's see if I can find it. Ah, when, um, when at the end of the balcony scene, Roxanne says, come claim your kiss, literally. And, The camera lingers on Dinklage's face, which is always a good choice. And we see Cyrano, he has this moment where he's looking at Christian and he has this thing where he kind of straightens out his suit and he gives him like a little manly pat and, you know, kind of like, you know, okay, you go. And it's so devastating. because it's like, ah, he knows he's lost her completely at that moment, you know? Yeah, so, and then so he
1: he just walks away, like, yeah. into the night. Yeah. He disappears into the shadows, and Christian and Roxanne are making out, and he's like, bye. Yeah. My heart is broken.
0: Yes. And then, you, you know, and, and I like the way it's staged, too, because the camera lingers on his exits, and you think, like, okay, it's going to, you know, transition to a new scene. No, if anything, suddenly the plot kicks into high gear right then and there.
1: Okay, so this is the part where you and I were just thinking – We can't watch this again. (laughs) Oh, this is the Ben Mendelsohn music. Okay, but before that, um, (laughs) so a priest comes and I guess brings Cyrano back with him. And he hands a letter to Roxanne. Yes. And he's like, what does it say? Basically, the letter is like, I brought this priest you know this priest is coming to you i'm on my way i'm going to marry you tonight and if you send him away too bad i'm going to have my way with you and regardless of what you say like we're getting it on yeah. and she is completely like distraught yeah and of course i mean to be forced to marry someone or be raped by them, basically, is what he's saying.
0: If I may interject, I gotta say this is Ben Mendelsohn's finest moment because it's a voiceover of him reading this letter in which he has lines like, oh, "I can't wait to feel your treasures. <laughs> I will possess <laughs> you tonight." Yes, yeah, that's,
1: that's yeah, awesome. I'm your sh- your treasures. Ugh. I think Joe Wright
0: was just like, "Oh, that's that's good, Ben. Just just you know, just just lean into the word tre- treasures. Oh,
1: perfect, perfect." <laughs> You're a creep. It's it's so creepy. Yeah, it's great. So she hands Cyrano the letter. He knows what it actually says. And then she tells the priest, he's like, what does it say? And she says, "Um, oh, I'm supposed to marry Christian tonight. So the priest is marrying Roxanne and Christian. And Christian's like, woohoo, my lucky night. And she tells Cyrano, go stop the duke. So now he, oh my gosh. So now the Duke is singing his ridiculous song. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's the one, it's the one real Doug. Because, it's, it's you know, some of these songs, they're good, but they don't, you get the sounds like this scene didn't really need this song, even though it's a lovely piece of music. This is a case where the song blows and Ben Mendelssohn.
1: He's just walking through the streets of France, like swirling his cape around. Oh, yeah, I am the
0: bad guy. Yeah, it's it's bad. <laughs>
1: And then we, you know, then it's cut with scenes of the wedding, which is nice. I mean, it's beautiful, but completely unnecessary scene. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's strange. It's it's maybe the only scene in the film that feels like padding because this is otherwise a really tight two hours. It's probably yeah. the only moment I thought like, yeah, you don't really need any of this. You just have him walk in, which is what we're waiting for anyway. The yeah. idea is that you know, Cyrano. It's it's a bit of you know, it's been played. Like a bit of physical comedy in other versions, where you know Cyrano is distracting de uh, Guiche mm-hmm. from from finding out what's going on until he can't, until he no longer can.
1: Great. So then he he's like, oh, she married him, and then she called. He calls her a slut, which is like, okay, you are completely an idiot. Okay, well,
0: you're, you're clearly the villain here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So then he decides right then and there that these guards are going off to war, so she has to say goodbye to Christian and moments after she married him. Yeah, yeah, moments after they're married and she tells Cyrano like please keep him safe and warm and dry and he's like I can't promise that. Please make sure he eats. I can't promise that either. Please make sure he writes and he's like that I can promise because I'm the one writing the letters. <laughs> right. So then yeah, and then we get to the front lines and you know, you would think at this point I would be I don't know, kind of over this movie, but then it just gets better. Hmm. It keeps getting better. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's a there's a bit of business that's established that every day, uh, not only not only does Cyrano, in the front of the lines, waiting for the battle to begin, not only does he, he hasn't ceased writing Roxanne in, in Christian's name every single day, but he also has this bit of business every day where he's sneaking on to the Spanish lines, stealing food from them, And as he's about to jump away, uh, they're they're firing at him, and he gives a bow and he jumps. It's great. This character is so badass. It's awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he basically feeds everybody. Yeah, he gives them fruit every day. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, true warrior. Everybody else is hanging out. I mean, they're practically freezing to death. So I don't want to make it seem like they're not doing anything. But Cyrano's really. He's yeah. He's doing all the heavy lifting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Degish is still ticked at what everything that's happened. And so he's going to send these guards into battle, basically. And this is probably one of the most moving scenes for me, is when LeBret gets word that he his company is going into battle. It's a suicide mission. Yeah, it's a suicide mission. And he tells this little kid go go collect all the letters because yeah. everybody's going to be writing home. And so I guess I, I just called it the letter song, but it's these three guys. These two soldiers. Three soldiers, yeah. yeah. And they, they sing about, you know, one is writing a letter to his wife, another to the girl that he loves but he never told her, and a son writing to his dad. And it's what they want to say now that they know they're going to die today. And I i mean, I, I cried the first time I saw it. I cried the second time I saw it.
0: it. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because this is a scene they probably thought, you know, if this doesn't work, we'll just cut it from the film. Because it doesn't really have any sort of bearing on the story, really. It's just insight into the perspective of these soldiers, what they're going through, their fears. And it's also, again, this idea that the songs, for the most part, are an extension of the longing that comes out in the letters. It's like what they're unable to say with their lips, they're able to say with their pen. And this is another example of that. And these are characters who, you know, they really have these moments and that's it. And instead of it being a throwaway or stopping the movie cold, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's so heartbreaking.
1: It is. And some of the, the lyrics say like, tell him not to cry. Heaven is wherever I fall. So basically, I'm going to fall in battle, and then I'm going to heaven, I guess. I don't really know. Um, It's just sad, just thinking about soldiers out there knowing that they're going into battle, and they're writing their last letter. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it, it, speaks,
0: it, it, it definitely speaks oh, beyond the time in which it takes place. Absolutely. Definitely.
1: Because yeah. you're thinking, well, gosh, this could be now. Right. It could be war now. Right. You know. So then Christian is like, oh, I wish I had a letter for Roxanne. And Cyrano's like, you do. (laughs) And so he wants to read it, and he's reading it. And he says, oh, there's a tear stain here on this letter. He's like, yeah, I always cry when I'm writing poetry. And this is the big reveal that Cyrano's been in love with her the whole time, which, I mean, this is the only time I would say Christian's not completely aware because <laughs> obviously, Sierra knows been in love with her the whole time.
0: Yeah, but it's been established that they've known each other their whole lives. I think, I believe that Christian thinks it is like a brother or sister thing, and to an extent, it is. And to an extent, it has been this very comfortable understanding that that amazing person, Roxanne, is in love with this guy who has constantly underestimated his whole life.
1: Yeah. Well, and then this is where they basically come clean. And and he says, okay, so Cyrano says, if I die, you have to tell her that, like, don't be surprised if she tells you of the volume of letters I've written. (laughs) He's like, how many letters have you written? Two a week? And then he realizes, he confesses it's one a day for months. So Christian is beside himself, you know. And he says, well, if I die, you have to tell her like you have to come clean because, you know, she, I think she's in love with you. And he says, how can that be? And he said, well, this letter, she says, if you come back damaged, wounded, mangled, I'll still love you. I love you for your soul. And he's like, she loves your soul. She loves my physical appearance, but she actually loves you. And that, Cyrano just can't he can't even think that that could possibly be true right so
0: yeah it's uh, it's great it's really well played and um, yeah I, I feel like this is this is Christian's great moment because one of the most noble things if you want to look at it that way that that Cyrano does is he walks away when he thinks that he's lost Roxanne forever to Christian and in this sense it's the opposite now Christian is walking away knowing that you know it's never going to be Better uh, than Roxanne and Cyrano, you know, realizing their love. So in a sense, he's he's basically giving Cyrano the opportunity to to claim Roxanne as his own. If and,
1: the, you will. and that's why he goes to the front of the battle and just lets them shoot him. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. dies in the snow, and Cyrano puts the last letter back in his jacket pocket, and so that it can be found by her or somebody can find it and say, oh. Here, this was the last letter he wrote you. Yeah, it's
0: beautifully shot, beautifully staged. I mean, the, the film doesn't – thankfully, this moment of the film doesn't become some big, long, drawn-out action sequence. It's 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 well staged, but at the same time, it, it's it's about character, not spectacle.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so then it cuts to three years later, and what – Roxanne is a widow, and she volunteers with the nuns. I, I don't know what she does all day, but she cares for – the sick and infirm with the nuns, yeah. even though she's not a nun. And Cyrano comes to see her every day. And and it shows him before he comes to see her, writing just hundreds of letters that he's never going to give her, trying to confess what he's done.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's been three years, and he still hasn't found the right words to tell her. I mean, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> no. sorry this part of the film always moves me very much very much the story has always moved me i've seen versions of this where it's there's one version of it where it's during battle that they that that he confesses to her like he actually has a head wound and he's there there's guns blazing in the background and it's like his last moments to finally confess to her what's going on so it's like he die like he dies in her arms in the, in the midst of battle and this is a quiet scene I like the way this scene is, is staged because it's, the camera at times is very far back and you kind of lose, you, there's, there's people in the frame, but they're kind of lost because they're surrounded by the setting. And it's this wonderful sense of, uh, this is a lost moment in time for these two, because as we learned, <laughs> this is their final moment together.
1: Oh, when he finally goes to see her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, But we also know he still is, is bleeding from the war. The war like, wound is, yeah, not I mean, away. it's never been healed. Ugh, yeah. that's got to be. But this is
0: also a stereotype. I mean, he doesn't take care of himself. He's probably been in a few scrapes. Uh, you know, if he's dealing with PTSD or whatever else. That's true. You know, this is probably, this is a guy who does not take care of himself at all.
1: Right, but, you know, there's no doctors around that he could have gone to see in the last three years. It is
0: the 1600s
1: i know Despite but one of
0: those guys like all you need is a good bleeding <laughs> don't worry i've got a bucket
1: i mean is, is the bullet still in there like we don't know Perhaps. is it gangrene yeah. i mean well you see
0: his fingers his fingers have gangrene no
1: well yeah. yeah okay so he goes to see her and she she says like what's the news now does he make up the news for her every day it seems that way yeah so I he, think so. he or makes he tweaks it Yeah, like he comes and tells her, you know, Monday, you know, this happened, Tuesday, this happened. And some of them are funny and some of them are kind of sad. Um, But he says, can I read the final letter that Christian wrote to you? And she pulls it out and hands it to him. And he starts reading it and then he just starts reciting it by memory. And she is... I mean, is she honestly surprised at this point? Of course. Yeah, she has no idea. She
0: suspects it deep down. She suspects it because as as it comes out, she says, "Were you the voice? Were you the letters? Yeah, were your words?" So yes, she has always suspected it on some level. But, it's, but it is, I mean, it is a betrayal. It's kind of awful. It is a deception. It is a lie. So, you know, I think there's a part of it that's like, it can't be, hopefully it's not that. Right. But she's had years to reflect on it. So I'm sure it's on some level.
1: Well, the reason he wants to read it to her is because he he's like, I'm going to die today. And that letter that he wrote on Christian's last day was really his own words to her. So... He wants to read them to her again, and he ends up collapsing, and they have this moment where they profess their love for each other, and just the tragedy of this moment, I'm like, you guys could have had three years together, three years. Maybe she would have seen your gangrene wound and taken you to a doctor, and you wouldn't have died. It's terrible. It's so sad.
0: <laughs> well, it's supposed to be. It's tragic. It's a tragic love story. Ugh.
1: Yeah. I. I. It's. I. You're still clearly. I'm. I'm really. I'm really upset about the fact that, because he says she says I love Cyrano and he says and I loved my pride, and then he dies.
0: Mm-hmm. And during this scene, there's a there's a close-up. It's a very long scene where. They're finally saying to each other, some of it's some of it's in song, a lot of it's just spoken word, where he is looking up at the at the ceiling and she's looking at him, but also directly at us. And it's wonderful. It's it's this great visual of they're still not quite there's they're not quite eye to eye. And once they are eye to eye, that's his final moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, no, Haley, I
1: mean, it's beautiful. It's just so sad.
0: Yeah, well, it's supposed it's to. I mean, it, it it has its impact, as it should. Uh, you know, if if you walk away from this feeling indifferent or feeling like it doesn't touch you, then clearly it doesn't work. And I've seen versions of this where I thought, oh, that's
1: quaint. That's kind of funny. But if this doesn't touch you. You are a heartless person.
0: <laughs> an interesting thing about this, Haley Bennett, one of her first big breakthrough roles was she was cast opposite Christian Bale in Terrence Malick's film, uh, Song to Song. And what happened was, is there's a still of the two of them, and she looks glamorous and beautiful in this... They're on a balcony, the two of them. And the thing is, not only did she get cut out of the movie, but so did Christian Bale. So all the footage of them is gone. And it was funny, too, because, you know, when the film came out, people were like, isn't Christian Bale in this thing? No, like, like, Bale's gone, she's gone. And what Malick did, instead of just like, you know, well, sorry, you're not in my movie he wrote a letter on her behalf to a filmmaker who wound up casting her based on Malik's recommendation. And she wound up getting a bunch of kind of showy roles, like supporting roles. She did a movie last year called Swallow. Which I will never forget as long as I live. She plays. Oh,
1: was she the main character in that? Yes. She's oh, a woman who, uh, is married
0: to a guy. Who okay. Ignores her. I did
1: not see that movie because your right. description of it it's was right. terrifying.
0: Yeah, she's, she's trapped in this marriage to so this rich guy who's controlling her. His parents are controlling her. She is like a, a, a porcelain doll stuck in a case. And what does she do to rebel? Initially, she swallows a little marble, and then she swallows a thumbtack, and and she keeps swallowing more and more dangerous things as a way to gain control agency of her life and her body it's disturbing but it's fantastic and she is excellent in that film and she's got a bunch of other big things coming out so
1: Never seen that ever. <laughs> it's a great movie. Oh my it is, gosh, it's disturbing, but it's great. Yeah, yeah. it's t- terrifying sounding. Actually,
0: this is a much more accessible mainstream film. Yes, Cyrano,
1: the movie we're talking about. <laughs> but
0: but I mean you know but not to say it's not that she's doing like some cutesy thing here. I mean this is a this is a very complex and very. Heartfelt performance. Her final scene, certainly with with Dinklage, is very powerful. They're both so good together.
1: They're both so good. So, would you change the ending at all? No,
0: I don't want him to live. I, I, it's it's supposed to be about missed opportunities. It's supposed to be about the anguish of 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 a love lost. There's always something so tragic about this story, this character, this beautiful soul who has everything but thinks he doesn't have it because of the way he looks. And for all of his abilities and accomplishments, which are many, he cannot obtain the one thing that he wants, which is the love of Roxanne. No, I wouldn't change the ending of this film or any part of Roxanne.
1: I think he should have come back from the war and, okay, maybe he only takes one year to figure out how to tell her. Then he tells her and they have some time together and then he dies. How about that?
0: So... He confesses to her, and then they like have a couple conversations uh, about like drapery and, and porridge, and then he dies.
1: No, they like have a relationship. There's no
0: time. He's dying.
1: That no, it's a year after the war. Okay, not but three he still years. Has the the mortal wounds. I mean, he's still going to eat it. Yeah, but at least he would have had some time with her. And it wouldn't be as tragic.
0: Well, what do you mean by time with her? Are you talking about dates? Are you talking about marriage?
1: Yeah. Maybe they could have gotten married. No. No?
0: No. Because I think she will only be in her entire life be married to Christian. Mm. Yeah. I think, you know, that there's something. It's it's not only that Christian was a missed opportunity, but the way he was taken from her literally and figuratively is so tragic. I I suspect she will never marry again, no matter what.
1: So, you think that their daily meetings where he shares the news with her and comes to see her at this, I don't know, nunnery? Yeah. Infirmary? Yeah. Is enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, this is the only way he can reach her and be with her is to be her friend, to give her. Amusements and distraction and to love her with words, which is all he's ever been able to do his entire life. Yeah.
1: It's just so sad. It is. I mean, maybe she could have helped him with his mortal wound.
0: No, she has no idea. <laughs> she doesn't know how to fix <laughs> a mortal wound.
1: She knows no it. She knows people. I know someone here.
0: <laughs> I'm a doctor. Oh, you need a good bleeding. <laughs> Let's cut off your head and then reattach it. <laughs> Oh Do you have insurance?
1: <laughs> oh, it's just sad. I just want them to be together. This is,
0: this is that famous time where we're talking about, you know doctors who you know had elixirs and snake oil. I mean, this is that period of, of medical history. I mean remember.
1: they could have poured alcohol on it at the time and pulled out the bullet and then maybe it would have healed. They could have at least done that.
0: No, no, I don't see. it. (laughs) No, you're talking about some advanced medicine from the 1600s. No, 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 I nah, nah. Oh man, all right. No, I, I think the power of this story is that to make her accountable. You know, she she should realize. That this has always been the guy. She should know at some level.
1: Oh, so she should have said something to him? What
0: I'm saying is it is twofold. They both have these obstacles that kept them from being together. This isn't a Romeo and Juliet situation. This is a situation of two people who perhaps don't have realistic perceptions of themselves as well as the world that they live in. And that has kept them apart. So I think to take that away would take away the power of this, which is that... This is where love can be an idea presented in words and inscribe scribe versus, you know, versus something that's a little tidier. I think great love isn't tidy, frankly.
1: Well, that's true. But is this the type of relationship or era where she would be able to express her love for him? I mean, because... The only way she gets Christian to do it is by telling Cyrano, like, hey, can you kind of help him here? Like, she doesn't tell him herself, you know? So is it just very taboo for her to come out and say it?
0: I think on some level, it is also the sense of, it's it's not that she feels like Cyrano she doesn't see Cyrano in a, in a disdainful way that so many others do because of his outward appearance. But I believe to some extent she probably feels like, oh, you know, it never happened with him. And, you know, and people are saying this. So I'm sure there is a sense of the social pressure, I suspect.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there is. But even after he comes back from the war and they're together every afternoon... I don't know. Well,
0: she—they're both old enough to be more open about who they are and how they feel, and it seems like even in those those in the moments where he's telling her the news, so to speak, you do get the sense that they are inching towards each other because it's this affection that they can't quite hide anymore. But at the same time, neither of them are brave enough to fully act on it until it becomes this revelation. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. I am. I, I. I don't want a happy ending for Cyrano. I. I, I don't. I
1: don't. <laughs> I want him to die in agony. <laughs> yeah, but he dies in
0: our arms. I think for him, that's 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 it. That's yeah. as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So I think the only thing we would change about this movie is probably that one song that we both dislike.
0: Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn is a good character actor. He's not a singer, yeah. and but I don't know if even if that moment allowed him to sing. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's the that, only scene of the film. That's
1: probably the yeah. only scene I would say. Yeah, you could cut that out.
0: Yeah, but I don't. Some have said this film is uneven. and You know, I think some critics I know, and critics I don't know, they think the movie's going to hit and miss. I, I do love this film. I really do. I, I,
1: I think like it's percent. way more hit than miss.
0: I, yeah, well, I certainly agree with that. No, I think this is one of the best films of 2021. I think it's the best musical of 2021. And uh, Haley Bennett and uh, Kelvin, Kelvin Harrison Jr., I think that is his name. Let me make sure I get that right. Yeah, Kelvin Harrison Jr. I've been saying it all night. I don't know why. It's getting late. But uh, yeah, they're terrific. But yeah, Peter Dinklage, his performance in this is towering. He's incredible in this. Uh, He's a fantastic Cyrano and this is a great vehicle for him. Uh, I feel like MGM isn't really doing the greatest job letting people know this movie is coming. And they should because I feel like it could be a huge sleeper. If The Greatest Showman, which is not the greatest musical in the world, if that movie could be a surprise blockbuster, I don't see why this movie can't. Because I don't think anyone who sees this won't be moved by it.
1: Yes, I agree. I agree. Go out and see Cyrano, or watch it on streaming. I have no idea. But see it in the how theater. is it coming out? It, it opens
0: on the twenty eighth in, in theaters. theaters yeah. Oh, okay. So I hope People do get. The, I hope you know people. You know, obviously, I want people to be safe and go to a theater where they feel safe. If you have that opportunity, if you have that luxury, see this on the big screen. See it with someone you love. See it with someone who loves musicals, or just wants to see a great movie.
1: Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right, I think that wraps it up for our discussion of Cyrano.